Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Colts fall week one to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 27-20. Led 7-0 early in this game, had multiple leads throughout the game. We missed a field goal. We had fourth downs that weren't converted. We had two turnovers that turned into 10 points. We let Gardner Minshew go 19 for 20, completing any pass he wanted all day long. We had a undrafted rookie running back outplay our second round pick running back. It was just a nightmare from start to finish. The coaching, the offense, the defense, the special teams, nobody is safe in this game recap and we're doing this right away usually jason and i wait till monday morning we watch the game a second time don't need to watch the game a second time this time embarrassing loss inexcusable loss in week one you have a team with super bowl aspirations going up against the team that wishes they had the quarterback who beat wake forest yesterday in trevor lawrence with the first pick of the 2021 nfl draft two teams two organizations going in polar opposite directions if you listed out all 20 22 starters for both the Colts and the Jaguars. I think the Colts would have an 18 to 20 player advantage over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Get outplayed, get outcoached, and ultimately lose by seven points. 27-7, the final in Jacksonville. Colts fall to 0-1 on the season. Yeah, I don't have a lot positive to say, Luke. It's pretty disheartening. Uh, I would say this is one of the toughest losses as a fan that I've seen. It was a uh, a game where I thought the Colts really could have blown them out had they scored on the second drive. I think the Colts, I I think the Colts roll if that happens, but when they didn't get that fourth and one, that was the, that's when the momentum of the game changed. And I mean, it was, it was a completely different game from then on. And it was, I mean, honestly, man, I, I don't, there's no positive spin I can put on this. I mean, this is a game you can't, lose if you want to be considered a legitimate contender against a team that I I would be shocked if they win five games so to go in there and play like that and to do all the things I like when I went through the the preview of the game I said well we can't allow Minshew to get into a rhythm 19 for 23 touchdowns no interceptions we can't beat ourselves missed a 30-yard field goal got stopped on fourth and one for some reason ran it with our smallest back you know penalties turnovers I mean we beat our I mean we just did everything I said we couldn't do in this game to allow Jacksonville to even be in the game and not only did we allow them to be in the game we allowed them to win the game so the Colts just were awful they got out coached they got outplayed there's there's no excuses from me the the better team won today period they the Colts did not play well they did all the things you can't do and win. Jacksonville did all the things you need to do to win, and they were the better team today. Yeah, and you just mentioned the biggest play of the game to me. You have a fourth and one inside the five-yard line. You have, at the time, this is before Marlon Mack went down, you have a 210-pound back. You have a 230-pound back in Jonathan Taylor, and you hand the ball off to Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines had a good game. Naheem Hines is a great player. But that is a big back carry. You could go Wilkins. You could go Taylor. You could go Mack. You could put Brissett in the game because later in the game, he puts Brissett in. He has him roll out and lose nine yards. If you're going to use Brissett, you use him on fourth and one, fourth and inches to barrel his big frame up the middle. And then on that play, Quinn Nelson lost his one-on-one matchup. And I thought we got beat in the trenches on both sides of the ball 
pretty much throughout the course of the game. I was very disappointed with that fourth and one. I did not like the play call. Obviously, I don't like the result of the play call. And if you win the game, if you get a first down there, if you score a touchdown there, the tone changes. But I was not a fan of that call. Even if it works, not a fan of that call because just the logic and reasoning. If you run that with Naheem Hines 10 times, you might get it twice. You run it with Marlon Mack or Jonathan Taylor 10 times, you're probably going to get it eight times. So I just didn't like the odds there going with your 190-pound running back when you have a stable of 210, 230, and then Wilkins is probably also up there in that 210-plus category as well. And you have three backs available, and you go with the smallest running back you have. Didn't make it any with Phillip Rivers and the shotgun. Didn't make any sense. Yeah, I think there's definitely times that we've seen Reich over the, the, the first two years and, and one game where he just tries to get too cute with things and they don't work. I'm not a huge fan. I, I hated the Brissett read option play. Uh, it was a I just awful play call and terrible, just terrible decision. I, it was, I mean, it was all bad. And, and I mean, for, for me, if, if Brissett's going to be doing anything, it's just going to be sneaking for – you know, one yard. I don't want to do anything else with him. I don't want read option. I don't want any of that crap because I don't, he does. That's not what he does. So, you know, I just thought Reich in this game was, I, I thought he tried to get too cute at the wrong times. I thought he abandoned the running game way too early. I thought his use of our backs was skewed. I didn't like the way he used Taylor as far as he didn't give him a lot of uh, as many carries as I thought he should. And he, we threw the ball so much. I like Rivers and I think he's going to be fine, but you can't throw it 50 times a game with him. That's not a recipe for winning games. And I agree with what you said. I thought the bottom line is we lost on, on at the line of scrimmage. I mean, both sides. I thought the offensive line lost and I thought the defensive line got dominated. I don't even think, I mean, it, the defensive line straight up got dominated. There's no excuse for that. That was a horrible, horrible performance by our defensive line and our defense overall. And I'm sure we'll get into that more in a minute. But, I mean, you can't allow a quarterback to go 19 for 20, throw three touchdowns, no picks, not make one splash play all game. I mean, that's, that is the most disappointing part of this game for me because going into it, that's what I was most excited about seeing, this new-look defense, these new players. And boy, was I disappointed. That was an abomination of a game from that defense. And you look at the way they abandoned the run in the second half. That didn't make any sense either. Just because Marlon Mack goes down, last year when Marlon Mack went down against this same Jaguar team without Campbell, without Ngakwe, without a bunch of guys, we run the ball for 100-plus yards with Jonathan Williams. Jonathan Williams is currently on the Lions practice squad. You go out in the second round and you draft Jonathan Taylor. Why are you abandoning the run? Until the last two possessions of the game, we never trailed. Why are you abandoning the run just because Marlon Mack left the game? I like that we're throwing the ball more now. I like what Rivers brings to the table in the passing game, but I just felt like we gave up on the run. I felt like there was possessions where we went out there throw, 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 and it didn't make any sense. you got to keep them honest, and you got to give this offensive line, which did not dominate today, a chance to dominate, a chance to wear down teams because we have seen in the past with these five guys up front, Costanzo, Nelson, Kelly, Glowinski, Smith, maybe they don't win the first quarter. Maybe they don't win the first two quarters or even the first three quarters. I think back to that Tennessee game last year, but if you keep 
them honest defensively and you keep pounding the football, eventually, especially if you're not trailing, if you're trailing, that's different because you have to throw to keep yourself in the game and you don't want to let the clock bleed. But when you're leading the entire game or you're leading and you're tied the entire game, if you continue to run the football late in the game, eventually this offensive line will wear down their opponent. And they never had an opportunity to wear down their opponent today. So the blame goes all the way around. In the opportunities the offensive line did have, they did not win their battles, but they never had that chance to wear them out and wear them out and wear them out and then late in the game have a big run or a big play like we've seen in the past. You think back to that Titans game and you have that huge run with Jordan Wilkins at the end of the game. Now Jordan Wilkins is on the end of the bench and he doesn't even get a carry in this game and you go out in the second round, you draft Jonathan Taylor and I just felt like they just did not use the pieces correctly. I feel like the talent although the players are equally as responsible to the coaches for this loss, this embarrassing organizational loss from the top down, I just feel like the personnel is so much better than the way they were used today. I 100% agree. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of Hines running the ball. I don't understand why Wilkins cannot get on the field. I, I, I mean, the guy averages five yards a carry. He's, physic- he's such a physical running back and you you pair him with Taylor that's two physical guys I mean he's obviously Wilkins does not have the speed that Taylor has but he's physical as hell and if you put that and you run the ball and you use those two guys you can allow Hines to, to play out you know out wide do different things with him you don't have to run high I, I just my thing with Reich is I don't understand why he is so enamored with running Hines I don't get it you've got Jordan Wilkins and Jonathan Taylor, obviously we don't know the extent of Marlon Mack's injury yet. It, uh, Reich said in the postgame that it's an Achilles. They're going to test it. It doesn't sound good. So if for the rest of the season, if he's out, you've got to incorporate. I mean, we can't win with Naheem Hines running, uh, being our main running back. We're not going to win. We're, we, we've got to use Taylor and Wilkins. That's how we're going to win. We're a physical smash-mouth football team. I don't know what that was today, but that was not a physical smash mouth football team. That was not the Colts that we saw last year. And so the identity of this team is the offensive line and the running game. And if you're not going to use the talent that you have, you're not going to win. So I don't know what the game plan was, what Reich's plan was, but it did not work. And it was disappointing to say the least. They better get their, 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 you know, you know what together this week because that now they're going against a legit defense that played a bad game today against Green Bay. They're going to be pissed off, ready to play next week. The Colts better come ready to play because Minnesota's got ballers all over their defense. They've got Ngakwe who kills us every time we play them. So the Colts are going to have to figure this out and do it very quickly because if they don't, their season can get away from them very fast. There's no question about it. And we've seen a Frank Reich team in the past start off slow, start 1-5, and and make the playoffs. So I'm not putting it against this team. I'm not putting it past them. I'm not saying if you start off 0-2. But this is a team that was talking Super Bowl, that's talking playoffs, that's talking winning the AFC South to come out and lose the way they just lost, to blow a lead to this Jaguar team, a Jaguar team that is heading in a polar opposite direction with a coach who believes his days are numbered, and I think everybody believes his days are numbered in Jacksonville, a coach who is 
essentially a dead man walking right now. I would be very surprised if he keeps his job after this season. I don't see them, including this game, winning much more than four or five games this year. I think they'll be in the mix for Trevor Lawrence. And one of our keys to the game was get off to a hot start and put him away early. Because if you go up, even if you go up 10 nothing, let's say we kick a field goal there, if you go up 10 nothing, or definitely if you punch it in and you go up 14 nothing, this team is going to fold. They're going to tuck their tail between their legs and they're going to fold. And we had opportunities in this game to put them away. Early in the game, we have an opportunity. Opening drive, love it. Frank called a great drive. Rivers looked great on the first drive, three for three. We're running the ball. We're mixing it up. We're balanced. Run, pass, run, pass, run, pass. Boom, we get in the end zone. Defense goes out there. Don't look great. Huge penalty against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Backs them up. First and 25. Defense makes a stop. Get the ball back. Ball inside the five-yard line. I know we beat that to death already. Frank Reich's call. We didn't like it on the fourth and one. It is what it is. But if you punch it in there, if you score on that drive and you go up 14-0 with a team that just saw one of their top pass rushers get traded away, they saw one of their top corners get traded away during the year, and then their other corner get traded away during the offseason, their all-pro defensive tackle get traded away during the offseason, they saw this roster dismantled. They needed a pick-me-up in this game, and we gave them the pick-me-up. We got off to the hot start. And we had everything going in our favor. And we had to beat ourselves to give them an opportunity to beat us. And that's ultimately what happened in this game. So I'm going to lose sleep tonight. I'm going to be tossing and turning, thinking about that fourth and one. Not just because I didn't like the call on that fourth and one, handing it to Hines. But just the momentum of that drive, if you punch it in there... There's a different outcome. We might not be thrilled with how the defense looked today. We might not be thrilled with how the game went, winning a close game or whatever it might have been. But if we punch it in there, I think we're winners right now. I think we're 1-0. I think we have a full game lead on both the Jaguars and the Texans right now in the division. And I think this is an upbeat podcast. And I think we're talking about a win. I think we're talking about going 2-0 next week against the Vikings. And I think there's a total different morale right now. But that drive... Stalling inside the five-yard line there absolutely killed us. So I don't want to beat the horse to death, but I just can't stop thinking about it. You have to beat that horse. It changed the game. The momentum changed. They got, they, we said they would have hope for as long as we gave them hope. Well, mm-hmm. that's when they got hope. Because if we scored there, and even if it's 10 or 14, they're like, okay, here we go again. It's going to be one of those games. But instead, we run a frigging dive with our smallest running back into the middle of the line. And, I mean, basically, I mean, I, don't, I, I can't say it enough. I hated the play call. I hated the personnel package. I hated everything about the play, and, and I hate the result, and it changed the game, and it probably changed the outcome of the game, in my opinion. It, I mean, we have plenty of chances to win the game. Uh, obviously, one play doesn't decide a game but I do think that the momentum of the of the football game absolutely shifted there they went down they score it's then it's a new game and and I mean I'm just so disappointed and disheartened by everything about this game I mean I I don't have anything good to say about anyone really I mean T.Y. was bad I mean Rivers had horrible I mean we, we can go down name a guy on the roster honestly only people we can't say anything bad about is the guys that really didn't play. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't I, – and, and I was all about Matt Eberflus, and I'm still a huge fan of his, 
But I don't know what the game plan was. Do you have any idea, Luke? Very bland. Very bland. It just seemed like guys were open all over the field. And if you don't get pressure on a quarterback and you're playing a soft zone and guys are open all over the place, how are you supposed to make stops? You can't make stops. It's not that we didn't have any pressure. I mean, we did have, I think, three sacks in the game, four sacks in the game. So we did have some pressure. I would say one bright spot was Danico Autry plus playing a new position. I think he did play that before in Oakland, but you're putting him now at the end spot instead of that three-tech spot. I thought he had a really good game, two sacks in this game. But for the most part, there's really no positives to take from this game other than that there's 15 games left, and we joked about it before we came on air, and you even said, well, that could be a negative because we might have to watch this 15 more times. So even that could be viewed as a negative, but obviously – There's still a lot of season left. The season is young, so you have plenty of time to work out the kinks. You had a bizarre offseason, but I just feel like the better roster with the better coaching staff with the higher expectations that didn't trade away half their roster should have a weird offseason play into their favor. The team that has a coach who's on his way out and has all these new players coming in and got rid of a bunch of all pros and Pro Bowl guys and blew up their roster because the organization isn't even interested in winning right now, you would think that that team would struggle even more with the coronavirus offseason. So you can't even give the Colts the benefit of the doubt there and say, oh, well, it was a weird offseason. They'll get it together next week because every team had a weird offseason, and I think their offseason should have been weirder than ours. They have a new coordinator in Jay Gruden coming in from Washington. We have all our coaches returning in terms of our coordinators and head coach. So there's really no excuse, nor do I want to make an excuse for this team. So you can blame the coaching. You can blame the players. You can blame pretty much everybody. This was a full team effort in this loss. And it's not even like if you get off to a slow start and you're playing catch up, I think it's one thing. The fact that we went right down the field and scored a touchdown, we went up 7 nothing. We got our first stop right out the gate thanks to that penalty. I just can't wrap my brain around losing this game. It's an inexcusable loss when you go into the season with the expectations that this Colts team had. Yeah, and and one thing I would say about the offense in general, I, I felt like Reich put this game on Rivers to win, and I don't think that's really fair at this point of Rivers' career. I feel like Rivers is at a point in his career where you build around him like the Colts have, you, you lean on the running game and, and let Rivers kind of pick his spots. I felt like Reich put Rivers in a really difficult position today because he really asked him to win the game. Yep. He basically said, look, we're going to throw it, you're gonna, we're, we're, and, and, and gave up on the running game. As soon as Mac was gone, he basically gave up on the running game. He did. It was a totally different offense. He really did. And I actually liked the way Rivers played. Yes, he threw the two boneheaded picks. The first one was really bad. I'm not going to make excuses for those picks. But what I will say is what I saw from Rivers today does give me hope and optimism moving forward because he went through his progressions quick. He went through the reads quick, got the ball off quick. He did a lot of things that we liked. Most games, I do not want to see him throwing 46 passes unless it's a 45-44 game and it's just a complete shootout. If you're in a 27-20 game, I don't want Phillip Rivers ever throwing damn near 50 passes again. But 36 for 46, over 360 yards, there was actually a lot of good things that I like from Phillip Rivers. Now, those two picks ultimately did go on to cost this team the game. 
two picks turning into 10 points, losing the game by seven points. You could easily do that math and say, well, Phillip Rivers cost the Colts with those two plays, but at least they weren't dead arm throws. If he had a wide open T.Y. Hilton streaking down the field and had a short arm, dead arm throw, and he just doesn't have the arm to make the throws, then right now I'd be like, all right, we're in trouble because the quarterback I thought we might have signed isn't that guy. The fact that they were boneheaded, bad decisions, more Andrew Luck kind of interceptions, it actually makes me feel a little bit better about the team and about Phillip Rivers because I'm thinking, all right, A, those are coachable. When you watch film, you could change that. If you have a noodle arm... Film ain't going to change anything. If you don't have the arm, you don't have the arm. He had the arm, in my opinion, to make every throw we asked him to make. And we asked him to make 46 throws. So that does make me feel better about Phillip Rivers going into week 2, 3, 4 for the duration of the season. Plus, Phillip Rivers is quite possibly heading to the Hall of Fame, having had made boneheaded plays his entire career. So this guy's been making boneheaded plays since the early 2000s. It's part of the, you take the good with the bad. Like last year, we never took risks with Jacoby, and it resulted in a 7-9 and record with Andrew Lucky. He threw a lot of picks here and there, but he was also going to win you 11 games and carry you to the playoffs. So you're going to throw picks, but you're also going to throw more touchdowns. You're going to throw for more yards. You're going to win more games. So I think in the long run, Phillip Rivers' risky, boneheaded, style will play into the Colts' favor, obviously doesn't in this game, but if you were to replace today's Phillip Rivers with last year's Jacoby Brissett, I think we lose this game by multiple scores. I really do. Yeah, I, I, the thing about the, the one positive that I took early on in this game, uh, as far as Rivers goes, that gives me hope, and it's it's probably something that not many people noticed, or maybe they did. Early on in the game, he threw an out route to T.Y. Hilton absolute a throw and it was like a 20 yard out and ty got got his feet in or whatever and he i mean he absolutely ripped the throw and got it right in there there wasn't a lot of space and it just made me think like when i think of a noodle arm making a and i'm not saying he has a great arm he obviously does not have a great arm at this point but when i think of a guy that that you know that, that's a throw that the quarterback has to make. You have to be able to – it makes me think of Scott Tolzien, first throw of the 2017 season when he tried to make that throw and it got intercepted and run back for a touchdown because he threw a noodle, like, you know, little lollipop out there. It, and I was afraid maybe Rivers would have that issue with those type of routes. But it was really good to see that one throw. And he had another great throw to Paris Campbell – where he lofted a ball over the top. So there were some positives from Rivers. I, I, I really put a lot of the blame on the coaches for almost making it a, hey, we're going to have to ride Phillip Rivers to this win, like yep. and putting him in a position where it's all on him and not using the talent around him to win the game. I mean, they, the, the entire offense, is, as far as I know, is built on physicality up front and running the ball and short intermediate passing. But you don't run the ball at all, and, you, and there's no threat of the run. It makes it a hell of a lot harder to run play action and do the things that we want to do in a passing game. And with all that said, he still threw 36 completions with, I think, three or four drops. So, And, and two of them were T.Y. on the last drive. So for all the things we're saying about Rivers, out of everyone, he was probably the bright spot. Yep, and I didn't get a great look at T.Y.'s second drop, 
But that first one was inexcusable. I'm sure both were. When he dropped the second one, I turned off the TV or walked outside, and I think I called you right away. So I didn't even look at the replay of that. I didn't want to see the replay of that. It would have made me sick to my stomach on top of how already sick to my stomach I already felt. So I didn't want to even look at it again. But if he catches either one of those and you get a first down there, I think we win the game. We just had so many drives where I felt like we were moving the ball well and we just came to a halt when we got to a third down or we came to a halt just immediately, like the, the drop of a dime. And I just don't understand why we abandoned the run in the second half of this game. Going back to last year, you're going to coach differently when you have Jacoby Brissett. There's no doubt about it. You have Jacoby Brissett, you have Philip Rivers, you're going to coach the game differently. But there was never a time from the point, the day where we signed Phillip Rivers to today, where I thought that having a quarterback who could throw the ball 40 times a game or throw the ball for 300, 400 yards a game, I never saw Phillip Rivers coming to Indianapolis as a abandon the running game. And never, there's no correlation there. I like the fact that we're adding the ability to throw on top of already running the ball at an elite level. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Rivers and, and the thing that I thought, and I think what you were trying to say was, we already had the running game. Now, then we bring in a quarterback that can complement that running game because he's able to throw. And by not running the ball after the first quarter, basically, in this game, you're essentially becoming one-dimensional in a game that you're ba- – it's, it, it, it's not a game you need to be one-dimensional in. I mean, it, it, you can still run the ball. We, I mean, we weren't behind by a lot. We, we had the lead. I mean, we, we essentially handcuffed ourselves by stopping and not running the ball. Yep. And I, I just don't understand it. Like, it is what we do. I don't know if he didn't want to put that on Taylor in his first game. I don't know. I mean, and why, we're, and why Wilkins can't get off the bench is beyond me. And, and I mean, I, I love Hines, but he's not a, you know, he's not a guy that's going to run between the tackles for a lot of yards. Nope. So, I mean, the frustration for me is the offense, I felt like if it would have just stuck to what it did on the first drive, we would have been fine. But instead, we, we put too much on Rivers' plate. It led to interceptions, which led to them scoring more points. And and as far as the defense goes, I, I mean, it just it just never did anything. There there were guys. I mean, the linebackers were, were terrible today. Coverage was bad. It was really bad. I thought. I mean, just the amount of wide open guys was shocking to me. And so, I don't know what the game plan was. I I thought I really thought they allowed the Jags to run too free in the zone they didn't get their hands on receivers they weren't physical at all I mean it looked like seven on seven I, I mean Buckner did nothing I, the, the the line was bad the the linebackers were bad the the, the secondary was atrocious I mean Hooker did nothing in this game like I, I mean unbelievable like they, they didn't have one play that stood out to me as a great play other than the like you know the the sacks other than yeah. that like, nobody really made a play. There no. were no jumping of routes. There was no stripping of the ball. There was no play that stood out as, oh, this guy's making a play. It, it looked very vanilla, and, and the defense just looked 
it looked like it was on its heels, and awful. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's the third year of this defense. It looked awful. The third year of this defense and the most talent this defense has ever had. Buckner's name just wasn't being called enough. Leonard's name wasn't being called enough. They just weren't stepping up making plays. I thought the defense was called very vanilla. It was very bland. But then on top of it, when you have as much talent as we have on this defense, even in a bland, boring, bad game plan, big-time players should step up and make plays throughout the course of a 60-minute football game, especially when you're going up against a team with a quarterback who the team is actively looking to replace this offseason, a sixth-round pick from last year. They want to take a quarterback in the top five, and you're going to let this guy carve you up 19 for 20? 19 for 20? I remember the only incomplete pass, Kenny Moore actually got beat off the line, and then he did a good job making a play after the play, knocking the ball away. Then Leonard came in and got a hit, and it was an incomplete pass. But other than that, one incomplete pass. One incomplete pass, 19 for 19 in the other 19 passes, 19 for 20 in the game for Gardner Minshew. It's inexcusable. It's absolutely inexcusable. Yeah, and, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter, and this is how it always is, uh, overreacting, w- wanting Eberflus fired. And listen, I'm not happy with the game plan. I'm sure he's not happy with the game plan or the result of the, of the game. Um, and I, I place plenty of blame at his feet. But you got, I mean, fans have to realize he can only coach the game. Those players, and they're all very good. We have very good players on defense, did absolutely nothing in this game. None of them did anything in this game except, I guess, Autry and Houston made a couple plays. But the rest of the defense, nobody did anything. That has nothing to do with Matt Eberflus. That has to do with our players. They have to make plays. They didn't do anything in this game. They didn't tackle well. They didn't strip the ball. They didn't force any turnovers. They didn't do anything that was that that was helpful in our game. I mean, so the the blame goes around everywhere. It's not just the scheme. It's also the players that are playing it. So, I mean, the blame goes on everybody. It's not just the coach, and it's not just the players. It's the coaches, the players, the staff. It's everybody. All three phases were bad. Uh, especially the the uh, defense today. I thought the offense, you know, was one dimensional, and I and I, you know, Reich was. This is not a great game for Reich either. So I just think it goes on everybody, and I think this is a type of a game where you just. I don't even know if you watch the film. It's it's that bad. Yeah, I know I'm not going to rewatch it. I know you're not going to rewatch no, it. Absolutely. Every um, phase got outplayed. I thought missing chip shot kicks was going to be behind us. And yes, I understand that Rodrigo Blankenship is a rookie, but a 30-yard field goal, bro, 30 yards, you got to make 30 yards. Chase McLaughlin made last year everything inside of 47. Never miss inside of 47. You have to make from 30. You have to make from 35, 40. All those kicks have to be made. Yes, you went two for two on extra points. Yes, you made your other kicks. But that 30-yard field goal, that's another difference in the game. Yeah, it actually feels like a game from last year. I mean, really, all those things that went wrong. You're, we're breaking up. A lot of games, turnovers. Yeah, You keep breaking up. I think what Jason's trying to say is that, like I was just saying, we expected 2019 to be behind us. 
and we come out making the same mistakes this year that we made last year. If you go back to Week 17 of last year, we're now on a two-game losing streak against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're making the same mistakes. It's a new team with a couple new players, but you're making the same mistakes you made last year. And we thought 2019 was behind us. We wanted 2019 to be behind us, and we come out picking up where we left off, and that's not a good thing. When you start a season 5-2, and two, you finish the season 7-9, and nine, you miss the playoffs, and then you start this year like it's December of 2019. Not the way you wanted to start this season. I'm sure we could go for a couple hours, Jason, but the connection's not great. Jason and I are breaking up. We also probably repeated ourselves a billion times because we're so frustrated with this loss. We usually go positives and negatives. Can't really think of too many positives. I guess one you could say, Phillip Rivers had 46 passing attempts, wasn't sacked. The only sack of the game for the Jaguars was in that one weird Jacoby Brissett play when the Colts put Brissett in. They had Brissett running backwards, lost nine yards when we had first and goal at one point from the one-yard line, then becomes third and goal from the nine-yard line. Didn't like that play call either. We were lucky enough to recover on the next play, Naheem Hines' touchdown, the first touchdown pass as a Colt for Phillip Rivers and the last touchdown of the game for the Colts as they go on to lose 27 to 20. So a couple of positives. If you want to leave this game on an optimistic note going into week two, Danica Watry looked good with a pair of sacks. Houston made a big play to start the second half. Offensively, Naheem Hines found the end zone twice and the offensive line never gave up a sack to Phillip Rivers with 46 passing attempts. Other than that, though, you had the T.Y. drops, you had the penalties, you had the missed field goal, you had the defense allowing Gardner Minshew to carve you up 19 for 20. You lost the turnover battle to Zip, plus the turnover on downs multiple times. Just an ugly, ugly, ugly performance from the Indianapolis Colts. Luckily, we have 15 games left. If we look the way we did today, 15 more times, that will also be a negative. But hopefully we get back on track next week, Jason. We have the Minnesota Vikings next week. We'll be back with our Minnesota Vikings game preview on either Thursday or Friday. And this team has to get it going in week two. You do not want to go 0-2 in the young season. We've done it before and we made the playoffs. It's not the start you want to get off to. So it's going to be a really important game, home opener next week against Minnesota. You got to find a way to get in the win column. You just have to find a way to win that game next week. And next week, you play a legitimate playoff caliber team, a team that's been to the playoffs multiple times. So you have to be on your A game next week. You have to be on your A game every week as we learned today, because even when you're going up against a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, they will beat you if you don't show up and you beat yourselves. So that's all we got. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, and this is the For the Culture Podcast.